Hey Dracos. Yeah. I hope we have a good guest today. I really want I really want a, a star player. Yeah, a star player would be really good, Cage. There's there's no guest like like Reckless. There's no guest 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 like Reckless! <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Euphoria Podcast Season 8, Episode 8. It is the Reckless Special Edition. We get you once a year on average, unless it's a COVID year. Uh, as always, we're available YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. But you are the only guest and only actually person attending the show that thinks that this is a reasonable hour to be awake. Yeah. That is uniquely you. So just first off, I think let to, to get you in, to welcome you to the show, talk to us about the healthy reckless lifestyle that is getting you out of bed before noon as a gamer i just think the day is so much longer when you wake up early versus when you go up later even though you'd be up the same amount of hours it just feels like you can get so much more done That's when you true. wake up early i don't know how that works but it's just something i realized over the years so now i try to get up early so that i can do my things while still people are in bed and then when they wake up i'm i'm feeling like i've accomplished something already if that makes sense it's like the early bird yeah, early bird gets the worm. No, I, I agree. Sometimes <laughs> when I have to wake up early to do things, I realize like after I've done everything, wait, it's only like it's only like eleven o'clock in the morning. Exactly. Yeah. Normally I'd have woken up by now, yeah. but it's the it's the it's the power of actually forcing myself to do that. It's where I struggle. Yeah, I agree. Medic uh, used to talk to me about this something to do with sleep hygiene, where sleeping before midnight is much more valuable to your body. You feel more rested. You wake up. There's a lot of science to do with the the time of day as well, like your body clock and stuff. Circadian right? rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. Science stuff that I don't know enough about to talk about. Um, but on today's show, other than just talking about Reckless's sleep schedule, his diet, and everything else to do with his personal life, <laughs> we're going to be talking about G two. We're going to be talking about the league, and we're going to be talking about. Um, kind of all the in-depth stuff that's going on behind the scenes with G2 and with Reckless, but probably not diet as much as I like that joke. Um, to kick things off, I want to talk briefly about something that I find incredibly funny that is um, about both of you, actually, in this case, and that is YouTube highlight clips. Now, for those of you who have no idea what the hell I'm talking about, anytime anyone in Europe or at all streams, anything they say, whether it's slightly dramatic it includes an opinion or at all is clipped by like one of four or five YouTube accounts before the stream is over instantly uploaded with the clickbait head title and the viewership on these things pretty good. Yeah. Like, how does it feel for both of you? Cause like you stream pretty regularly, like Fridays before game starts, right before, before show starts. Kajo, you're obviously streaming all the time. Like how does it feel to have every little thing you say, like clipped out and turned into a, a video? In my mind, it's actually a good thing because then I, I'm really careful with what I say, <laughs> but until I figured that out, it was a really bad thing because then I said a lot of things I shouldn't have said. And then as you, as you mentioned, like the viewership on this was like hundred K I clip. So yeah, need to be careful with what you say because oh, yeah. it's going to be out there. Yeah. It's definitely good exposure as well. I guess, you know, when people can just kind of see it on YouTube on the, on the homepage and stuff, but um, I think it's getting to a point where at the start of the year, I saw these clips like starting to float around and they were actually genuine clickbaity titles where it actually had a point to it. But more recently, I've watched some of them and it's like just completely taken out of context. Someone will ask it. Someone, in, I think they must be in Twitch chat writing questions like, hey, who's the best team in EU right now? I'm like, hmm, I'm not too sure. I think there's a lot of teams, you know, and you'll, you'll say one team. Instantly cl clipped out, the context of the whole thing is removed and it's like, boom, he thinks this is the best team in EU. So uh, it's kind of funny sometimes and sometimes it can get taken out of context, but it's, it's, it's cool. I 
just say whoever makes this channel i find it hilarious how shameless this is and while it is probably gross that this is like a thing that is successful the title reckless wants to in all caps quit streaming because of again all all caps drama question mark exclamation point oh do you, <laughs> you want to quit streaming because of drama what is it Re reckless wants to go pro in csgo like i want to do an interview with you at some point in your life where i'm only allowed to collect questions and opinions based on these <laughs> reckless on the hardest role in league excited to play versus, you're excited to play versus msi players what yes i was <laughs> Dang, that's crazy Cadrill comparing reckless and perks like i maybe it's just me who finds this so incredibly hilarious and i'm sure there are some people who like enjoy these channels because they do put together a lot of highlights whether they're taken out of context or not but i just find it so so crazy that this is like that someone is watching you like yeah. clipping out and shout out to twitch your um web design is wonderful because it's really easy to download clips you just go into the developer mode right click like one thing um which i don't think is intended functionality so if they want to fix that that would probably kill these channels but until then you're you're plastered all over you're you alone are already you're doing so much g2 i'm sure making mad money off of you existing but it's not just g2 it's not just the ralph lawrence of the world it's the lol dramas of the world you know getting everything they can out of your stream and that to me is is wild um that said at the risk of making more potential highlight clips, let's talk a little bit about last week. There's two big things that I want to hit. One, and first and foremost, before we talk about G2 and kind of the upper end of the table and the fight for playoffs, is, is the last spot in playoffs. Because this is a very weird playoffs race where I don't think anyone has full confidence in any of these teams to, to, to cinch it. And right now, the four teams in the battle are Astralis, Excel, Vitality, and SK. Reckless, who, who do you actually think is going to be making it based on what you've seen in the last few weeks? Um, so I think Astralis for sure is the team that I'm looking at. I think they just have the best vibe together. I feel like it should be Vitality that makes it. If you're thinking just how good the players are or how good the players are supposed to be or maybe how good the team is supposed to be. But I think just looking at how Astralis is doing and how fun they're having together and how much they seem to just enjoy this whole thing. To me, they're the team. Yeah, I mean, I can see their vibes pretty good. I can imagine that uh, even if they lose, they don't mind too much. Uh, they all seem to get along pretty well, I think. And how much do you kind of rate a vibe outside? Because, for example, just by taking what you said there, the skill level of Vitality is better, but the mood is better in Astralis. So the, the mood is outweighing the skill. Is that something you, you would see in teams? I just think when the stress is on like this, and you know every game you play decides if your year was a success or not, then the vibe is everything, I think. Like, everyone here can play League. There's no one yeah. in in the game anymore that is not able to play the game. I think everyone can play. It's just, how do you function as a team? What's your mood going into the day? Are you trusting your guys around you or are you not trusting them? Do you point mm -hmm. fingers? Do you try to improve yourself? It's just, it's more about how you are as a person, I think, or how you function as a group of people. And I think in that regard, uh, Astralis is just much better. It's actually crazy that this is the position we've been in because, again, Cadrill, when we when me were casting this week, we were just having an honest discussion about what are they doing to win games? Because statistically, they're the worst, like outside of Schalke, they're the worst team by far. Like you look at this team on paper without watching the games. And obviously there's a lot of context in the game and there are a lot of great moments from individual players on the team. 
Um, you know, White Knight and Zanzar both had a fantastic weekend last week. Um, but statistically, they're like com- completely awful. Yeah. And, and yet they win. <laughs> they keep winning. I mean, they're 6-9 right now. They're tied with Excel. Yeah, they have <clears throat> stats is one thing, but it also, yeah, you just look at their games. 20 minutes in the game, they're down 4K gold. They've lost all tier ones and they're just sitting kind of under their tier twos with no vision on the map. And you're like, well, yeah, the game's kind of lost, isn't it? But somehow, I don't know if it's the enemy team's throwing, they find some kind of plays, they they clutch out some kind of fights, they make good plays over side lanes, and then all of a sudden the game's even. Um, against Mad Lions, they were down 3 or 4k gold again. Mad Lions would just kind of split them up and play on their side lanes, and they just kept grouping up and forcing, and they just kept getting kills. So it was an interesting, interesting game, that one especially. Um, but it's crazy to me that they're that far behind in the early stages, and they're still a sixth place team. Yeah, I think it's a wild thing to watch. Now, they haven't taken a game off of the perceived top four teams. Again, Rogue, Fnatic, G2, Mad. But why is it that you think that they're so successful against these lower G teams? Because I agree, I can see the vibe and I can see how that brings things together outside of the game. But is it like, do you think that teams just fall apart against Astralis? Do you think Astralis is especially good at, I don't know, team fighting mid late game? Like, what is it that you think brings them back past the um, kind of the intangible of, of team atmosphere without knowing the specifics, right? I think it's a bit like Kedril said enemy team is throwing and they are also not tilting i think i feel like many other teams when they're in the astralis position no vision on the map hugging their tier twos they're they're done with the game they don't want to yeah. play anymore they just want to lose mm-hmm. but i think for a team like astralis it might be that they're so used to this position and maybe they don't care they're happy with almost nothing in their lives so being under their <laughs> tier twos and chilling is like their comfort zone maybe even yeah. and they never tilt <laughs> and they just keep on fighting until the nexus falls and then they get these crazy games where they make a comeback i think for the other teams, you cannot say the same thing because maybe they expect more from themselves or maybe they yeah, just, they don't, just don't want to play out this losing game. Mm. And I think maybe for Astralis, that's like what they're most used to. Yeah, and I think the mental side is interesting because teams, like you just said, there are some teams who are under their tier twos might just force a play. It's like, okay, the game's lost. Let's just fight this Drake, see what happens. They get ace, game's over. Whereas some teams will be like, yeah, it's fine. We can give it up. Just wait for them to make a mistake. Wait for them to overpush. Wait for this guy to grief it or something or them to f- the divers, you know. And then they just find fights and they just find their way back in. And maybe that's why they don't beat the uh, higher-end teams because the higher-end teams don't make the mistakes to give them a way there back is. into the game. But against the lower-end teams, maybe they make the mistake. And then when they do make the mistake, they're ready because they aren't tilted and they aren't giving up yet. Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah, a big reason why I think they'll make it. It's just the mental portion of this is so important in a super week where one win or one lose can decide your entire season. Yeah, and the biggest person on Astralis who I think of who doesn't tell as much Felix. I mean, you've probably faded him in solo queue. That guy, if you're down every single tower in the game and they have every single Drake, Soul, Baron, everything, he will not give up. And it's, I've, it's a good I've, I've Actually, I've heard more pros complain about him refusing to surrender than I've heard so, praise him for yes. his like, winning mentality. A lot of people want out. <laughs> sometimes when the game is absolutely lost, you know, some pros are like, come on, like this is really not winnable. But he, he, he stays strong. I mean, he was top five accounts in the top 10 in solo queue. And I think mental also plays a big factor in solo queue as well as competitive. So, I mean, it's, it's honestly just, I'm still just blown away that Astralis are in this position and they are in the best position they control their destiny they play all three of the teams they play are teams that they are directly fighting for in terms of playoffs they don't play any top teams um and they've got positive records against most of them i i won't talk about best of five let's see if they make it there you know i still think that's going to be maybe a bridge too far at this point but i guess the other team i'd like to hit on that is is currently tied with them is excel because we talked a bit about vitality and sk while you can be helpful after after some positive results during the week. I think they feel like a bit of a foregone conclusion. Excel is the team that's really interesting to me because they started super good with Marcoon. They looked pretty solid across the board, but it just feels like it's been 
really shaky ever since that first week. I would love to get your read kind of on where you see Excel right now, Reckless. I would probably put them below SK even. But they had some interesting comps. It's hard to say. I think some games, they just look so off. And their individual play is so off. And then some games, they pull this like really interesting comp and they actually play it almost almost to perfection. I think, for example, the Fnatic game, if it wasn't for like that stopwatch by upset, then maybe they just win that game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so depends on the game maybe. But again, it's going to be a really stressful situation now in the Super Week for these guys. And I'm just... I'm not sure when they have those off games that that's just not like that. That might be the case for this week as well. Mm. Yeah, I think this is also a time where you can bring up rookies, right? Like Markun and Advian did very well in their first stage games and ERL obviously preps people, but this is a ton of pressure. And that's where, you know, this Astralis atmosphere that you talk about really can pay off because these are a lot of players. And these are a lot of players that I think when people look at them would not have maybe given them second chances on this roster. Astralis did invest in them. It didn't work out last season, but this is the moment where like that player experience really would have to shine through because these guys have been around, you know, outside of Magic Felix, who is still a very new player outside of the context of solo queue. Everyone on this team has spent a lot of time playing League of Legends, right? Mm. Which is, dang, yeah. I can't, I'm just still, I uh, still I have a hard time believing it's, it's, this. It's interesting. It's so crazy. You have, you have Astralis who, we're talking so about the mood, who just copy pasted their roster from spring to summer. So the mood must've been great, right? The team obviously was functioning, but it wasn't functioning on stage. Then you have XL who did late roster split changes it's better, but they need way more time than they do. And they only yep. have a week left. And they face you guys in Rogue, so they're really backs against the wall. And then Vitality, you just try to do the quick fix in summer. Just go for it. I mean, that was basically out. a full rebuild, right? I mean, it wasn't yeah. even a quick fix. That was, that was pretty much from the ground up. Yeah, it started off with Crown Shot in spring and then just swapping out mid-jungle. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Massive changes. Uh, other side of the table is the fight for seeding, really, more than anything for, for the top five. Um, and I would love to know how much that like weighs on your mind, if you guys are really up to date on what you need to do, where you need to place, because obviously there's championship points, or if you're with the age-old mentality, well, if we're going to win, it doesn't matter who we play. We got to you know, make it through everyone eventually. I would like to play mad. I would like to end <laughs> top four. <laughs> and as it's looking right now, we're going to be top four because Misfits needs to win, I think, or maybe end second yeah, to go past those points. Top, yeah. So we're going to be top four, and then... Yeah, it's just about who we play. But then I think it's a bit more like you said. It doesn't really matter who we play because we should be, be able to beat all of them. Maybe Rogue is actually the scariest one, which is kind of weird to say when you're 0-2 against Fnatic and 2-0 yeah. against Rogue. But it's just... Many times when you watch Mad play and we watch Fnatic play, I think they're just flipping so many things. They don't seem to have... They have some sort of system, but they don't have like a proper system in place. Sometimes it's just random, I feel like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then you watch Rogue and it's like... From the second the game starts till the, till the second the game ends, everything's planned out. Yep. So in a way, it just feels scarier to play against them in a best of five than the other two teams. But I know on the day, you know, Fnatic can be so much better than anyone else in the league, and we can be so much better than anyone else in the league. Same for Mad; they want Spring basically doing this thing where yeah, no one thinks they can accomplish anything, and then on the day they're like too good. You know, they have the clutch factor mm-hmm. on like almost every single player in the team. So. I don't we, really think it matters who we play. Yeah, we talked to Oda Wamne a bit about that kind of perception and his his kind of about the perception that like rogue are super predictable and clean. And he could, yeah. he agreed that there's like some fairness to that, but ultimately that it um hey, if we're getting, you know, massive gold leads early game, who cares if it's by the book? It's by the book for a reason. It's really good. Um so do you think that the value the thing that like devalues that style maybe is just the fact that because it 
doesn't come with any crazy coin flips for the most part. It's just not scary. You don't fe- ever feel like you're completely out of control of the game. Whereas when you say, when you play against like Fnatic or Mad, sometimes you just lose control of the game because they just do crazy stuff. No, actually, I think it's more scary playing as Rogue because of this. Because I feel like if you don't bring a clutch factor yourself against Rogue, you're just going to lose because they're doing everything better than you. Mm. Like if nothing happens in the game, you're losing. So it's annoying to play against them because of that. If you're playing against a Fnatic or a Mad, you know the mistakes are going to come. Like actually you can just play to not do anything the entire game and they're going to give you opportunities to mm-hmm. do something. But if you're playing against a Rogue and you do nothing the entire game, I think you're just losing. Yeah. So, so it's a very different kind of game to play. And for me as a player specifically, I think I'm much better against a team like Mad or Fnatic because I'm really good when I don't have to make the decisions myself. If I'm just adapting yeah. to the circumstances, I'm like one of the best players. If I'm having to force, then sometimes I make mistakes and then that's where a rogue could be scary for me, for mm. example. So you have like rogue who's just like well, it's going to be a bit of an analogy yeah. here, but you have like rogue is like the well-oiled machine, cerebral gameplay, and then mm-hmm. Madlines and Fennec who are much more emotional on the fly based decision making. Yeah. Where would you put G2 in that spectrum? I think, um, I think we're more crazy for sure. I don't think we're a rogue. I think we're much more crazy as well. Uh, we rely so much on our clutch factor. I think like how Mad relies on theirs and mm-hmm. Fnatic relies on theirs. Like on some days, we just don't do anything. It's kind of tragic to see us play. And on some days, I think we're like so good. And even if we're behind or even if we're playing a suboptimal comp, we can just make the sickest comeback and the sickest play that no one expected us to mm-hmm. make. So depends on the day. But I think uh, we're more more of a mad Fnatic kind of team. Yeah. And I think then shifting kind of the conversation to over to G2 from from this race for playoffs, like how do you feel right now about about the kind of pace that you guys are developing at? Because obviously it was... It was dark times a little bit in the middle weeks, you know, from an outside perspective and not not always easy to know what's going on in the team environment. But it feels like sudden ramp up. Cap shaved his head, you know, (laughs) like like things, something he said to me, something had to change. It was this the head shave. Right. It's like what what do you feel like has changed behind the scenes or is this just um, kind of work suddenly coming to fruition? You guys have obviously had a hectic season. You've had Nelson coming as well. He's finally there on the ground. But like talk to me from your perspective. How are things going in G2? What is kind of the state of G2 at the moment? So first things first, I want to say that I feel like the whole thing was so overblown, but I was having like a really bad time uh, in the middle of the split. I know we lost a lot of games, but I think, for example, the game we lost against Misfits should be counted as a win. I know Hmm. everyone will not do that and would rather like tell us face to face that we up, but I think um, that was a win for us. Yeah. I think that week in general was okay. Like the XL draft was really bad, but the Misfits game was more than fine and counted as a win in my book. And the week before, if anything, then was the problem where we had the Fnatic game and we also had the Vitality game where I think basically what happened was just we won four out of five uh, games in the first two weeks. And then we sort of like forgot why we're winning we started trying a lot of things and changing a lot of things and then when you have like four or even three days of practice before you go up and play go up and play on stage it's just like enough time and not enough time to change so many things so i feel like that week was the bad week if anything where we just like we forgot why we're winning in the first place but i think in general the split as a whole we've been playing pretty well and i feel like we've been yeah we we just haven't gotten some of the wins that we should have had yeah and now we're like in a nine six position where i guess people don't see it uh, see us as like one of the better teams but if you look at it we're just one win behind the fanatic the misfits mm-hmm. 
Mad Lions. And the Mad, and yeah. two yeah. wins behind the Rogue, which we are 2-0 against. So I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. Yeah, I think that prevailing sentiment since kind of starting to build again, I think people, and myself included, started to like kind of ask questions, right, during the loss streak, especially during the week that you mentioned. Because when we cast that Misfits game, we talked about it later, and it was it's very clear from the early, like that's a throw, right? Yeah. But ultimately, you guys were winning and dominating early to mid game which yep. was for your team after the week before after that very difficult uh vitality fanatic games was a, a step in the right direction but i think that people are at least in my perspective and this is how it's been for us on the broadcast since that week where you've really started to show up again and obviously cap shaving his head is an easy yeah. catalyst to look at it but even since that misfits week where we started to see you guys kind of rise back up after some difficult games it feels like you guys have been counted in the top four now part of that is because misfits are misfits and until they do something like really great then people aren't going to treat them as a known quantity but um for me right now i think g2's pedigree is a little bit helping you guys out certainly in terms of putting you in the top four but also um yeah the rising and the increase in performance and what feels like you guys have been steadily getting better um can you talk about what it like what it is that you guys are now more focused on the same page i don't want you to give away all of your strategies right but like what is it that like ultimately allowed you to focus back in was it just losing those games that helped you refocus I think it was a bit like I said in the first two weeks where we won four out of five games. We were so aware of our strengths as a team and what champions wanted to play for that. And then we, I think sometimes this happens actually when you're winning so much, you just, just kind of like take it for granted you're going to win anyways. Mm -hmm. And then we had the Vitality Fnatic week where we had this problem of just like, we're so good, we're going to win anyways, let's just try some stuff. And then we lost both games and then we had to like rebuild the whole thing that we had in the first two weeks. And I think ever since then, it's just been... Yeah, I was playing to our strengths and playing our champs and doing our thing again. I think it was just an unfortunate game against Misfits, which I know everyone will, again, uh, want to tell us face-to-face -face that we did something wrong in. But I think it was a win in our books. We You're, should see it you, as a win. To be fair, you take this Misfits loss much much harder than I yeah. thought you would. Cause I, and I imagine that there is a, probably a decent amount of flame going around. But from our perspective, it's like... I don't know. I, you threw, we talked about it for a week and I kind of forgot about it. Like, it's a great clip, but don't get me wrong. It's yeah. going to get reused anytime Misfits yeah. play you for the rest of your life. <laughs> but, but to me, it's a best, a single best of one yeah. game. It's, it's one of those BO1 screams. It's like, oh, 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 damn it, man. Yeah. You know, and then you lose. But if you were to beat, you have to beat the Misfits, right? If they didn't throw that game, you would be tied for second place right there. Yeah. Misfits would be fourth place and you would be neck and neck with Mad and, and Fnatic and you'd be 2 against Rogue. Yeah. So then... You have to look at the actual standings, put it into yeah, context true. and say, if they won that game, are they actually the best team right now? You is, know? is there a particular reason? You see what I mean? It could be so yeah. different, right? Just with this, one, with, with this one game. Is that why that game kind of stands out to you so much? Because this is, this is the only game that you've mentioned, I think, like I just very think consistently. It's, uh, it's bothering me a bit that it's like a 0-4 kind of talk when it was more of a 1-3 kind of talk. Yeah, yeah. And mm -hmm. then it's like a completely different thing. So Sure. Yeah. If anything, I think it's the Vitality Fnatic week that we should be talking about because that was the problem. The entire, That's true. The, the entire split, that was the one problem we had. I feel like we just, yeah, forgot why we were good in the first place, what we want to play, how we want to play. I think like the draft against Vitality specifically is like so not G2 at all. We're playing like Karma with Tom Jinx. This is not G2. We mm. should not do this mm. ever. Yeah. In the Fnatic game, we're playing like Jin Pantheon bot. Mm -hmm. This is not G2. Again, same thing. We should not do this. And that's so, the games I feel like you should be talking about. We should be thinking about as well. Those are the ones we should learn from and improve from. But yeah, I just think the whole Misfits game has kind of like overshadowed that a little bit and made it like a bigger thing than it was or a different thing than it was. 
So if, if Jinx Tom Karma is in G2 and if, if Jin Pantheon is in G2, what's G2 Reckless? Like, what? how do you describe the team's play style? And it can be a little bit in champs. It can be a little bit. I don't, again, I don't want you to just give away the pick band strategies, but, but I, I would think, love to know. I think, first of all, Jin is really bad right now. So that was, and Pantheon too. So that was, yeah, not a great draft because <laughs> we're playing 3 5. <laughs> but I think we're also not the team to play like front to back only, slow nothing happening in the game, mm -hmm. uh, sort of what the Jinx Tom karma would have been. I think G2 is at its best, at least from the months I've been here and uh, from what I've seen, I think we're at our best when everyone has agency in the game. So there is no player specifically you have to play for. It yeah. can just be anyone. We can play for top or mid or, mm -hmm. or for me or even for jungle and everything can work out. I think the more carries we have, the better. I feel like, for example, our Misfits game now, I know it was quite a boring game, mm -hmm. but that was like the perfect draft for our team, I think, because regardless of where you go on the map, it cannot go wrong. Wunder can carry on GP, Caps can carry on Orianna, I can carry on Tristana. It doesn't matter what you do in that game, we're always going to be fine because everyone has agency in the game. Mm. I think um, one of the reasons why we're so bad towards the end of spring in playoffs was because we're not thinking about this. We're thinking about the meta, and the meta back then was like tank top, uh, very AD focused or bot focused uh, gameplay yeah. where it was just better AD wins kind of and I was not the better AD in that playoffs I think it didn't fit our team at all and then we we're better when uh, everyone can do something in the game how does that um, kind of perspective on the team pair with with how your experience has been leading up to G2 because you've been you were a lot of different things in Fnatic right like a lot of people are going to remember the iconic hyper carry reckless moments yeah. they're gonna remember the Siver kind of janitor other people do stuff you get four yeah. items and win the game like you you've been a lot of different players and you've been the garen for a garen yumi right you've been a lot of different things in your career you've played a lot of different roles how does this like very high agency anyone can carry the game play style fit with like who you are as a player i think in the beginning it was hard because i was trying to stick to my i'm just gonna stay out of trouble gameplay and let the game kind of happen around me. But I realize now that like, if I want, for example, mid to have agency, I need to win my lane because then Mickey can roam. And if Mickey can roam, mid will have agency. And if mid has agency, we're a good team. So I think it's just, it's just taking me time to kind of realize what position I have in this team and how different it is from what position I had in Fnatic. I think uh, it's like a completely day and night change for me. And I also think the meta hasn't helped in this for sure. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's, it's like, uh, I don't know. I feel like AD carry is kind of just supposed to win your, like supposed to win his lane, but not necessarily to the point where your support stays with you at all times. It's more of, uh, it's good if you can get the first recall, for example, kind of gameplay. And I think that's just completely different to how it was last year. Then it was more about putting your wave in a good spot and maybe playing for that wave position yeah. or that wave status and like getting your jungler down or TPs down. And I think now it's like, please don't TP to my lane. Mm. Just get my sport out of lane and then from there we can we can take the game. Yeah, I think you see that in a lot of games nowadays where it's like both AD carries are just kind of farming in bots while the supports roam top for Herald and it's just a 4v4 top side and it's like, well, I can't really impact it. I could, but I have to give up my like whole waves and tower almost and then yeah. maybe you can mid win as the fight, but it's just good luck. Have fun top side, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Especially in this last week since 11-4 uh, and, and eventually now 11-5, um, it just feels like top side is just everything right and we see i just remember so many games when we were we were watching games to make this aphelios segment last week and i was just watching these aphelios games trying to find clips because they're like doing good stuff but they're all like one zero two 
two zero two because it's just you've got a Renekton diving in, you've got some mid laner going for some crazy play, and they're kind of just it feels very quiet for AD carry right now. I don't think AD carry is weak though by any means. Yeah, I feel like once I get my items, mm -hmm. I can easily carry the game. Like yeah. for example, in the Misfits game, I knew for sure we we're gonna win because I had three items under Sana. Like there's no way we're losing that game, <laughs> not possible. Mm. But I think it's just the way you play the early game out specifically mm -hmm. is so different to how it was last year. So it took me some time as well to just like walk out of my comfort zone that was playing Jin Sana Ash at Worlds last yeah. year yeah. and more become this like I can play Tristana, I can play Kai'Sa and I can just function on my own silently in the game and then eventually I get my items and I'll carry. It's kind of what I did back in 2018 yeah. I think. It's <laughs> yeah. very much what yeah. I did in 2018 but it's just yeah it takes time to I think also when you're joining a new team it takes time to also realize what you need for that team specifically. If I stayed in, in Fnatic let's say and the meta changed like it did now, then I think it would have been easier for me to just follow the meta because the team would have been the same. Yep. But now I'm changing the meta and I'm changing the team. So there's a lot of things to think about at the same time here because let's say the meta didn't fit us, which I think it does, but let's say it didn't, then I would yep. also have to take that into account. I can't just play the meta no matter what. It also has to be in regards of what my team needs from me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that if you look at like the meta right now and how to play the game, it's topside, right? And the only every time it's a playthrough bot is if you cross map and you can't win topside. It's like, yeah. well, can't contest topside, just give up Herald, we'll dive bot and get our bot lane ahead, right? But it's always kind of the teams want to play for topside. Yeah, I think it's always an interesting adjust. Um, one thing that you brought up is kind of, there's two things you brought up that I think are really interesting. One is kind of the, the G2 style of giving everyone agency. And the other thing that you said earlier when we were talking about like Rogue compared to other teams is, uh, you feel more comfortable in a situation where like you are punishing mistakes or you're reacting to enemies rather than putting yourself in a position to to be proactive. Like yeah. how does that interact with your need to have agency and your need maybe to be one of multiple different carry threats on G2, this idea that you are in more in your comfort zone when you're reacting to the enemy misplaying as opposed to having to like, I don't know, let's say force a misplay out of them. Not to not to misquote you if, I, if I've misconstrued No, that. I think it's just, uh, I think it's more the role than anything. If I played another role, I think it would be completely different. But because I'm playing AD carry, sometimes I feel like if if nothing is happening in the game, it's hard for me to be the one to make something with the game. I feel like, for example, if I'm playing Tristana, I can make the choice to split push maybe. Or if I'm playing Kai'Sa, if nothing's happening, I can maybe push my mid wave and go gank side with my ult. But I can't really like, we're doing this now. Engage. <laughs> it's yeah. not it's not my role. I can't I can't make that step, which I feel like a lot of, a lot of other roles can make. So I think. Yeah, against Rogue, sometimes it's hard because I feel like they're a kind of team that could just win the game without fighting you once, mm -hmm. actually. <laughs> and I think then it's like hard for me to impact the game. And I obviously want to impact the game. So I'm much more comfortable against the Fnatic Real because I know they're going to engage on me eventually. So mm -hmm. I'm going to get the fight at some point. Interesting. I Yeah, it's kind of because watching it, it just feels like... Um... It feels like there has, like, you have had the moment, especially when it comes to the Tristanas, where you do really feel empowered. And you've had some good Varus games as well, right? You've got the iconic, like, you dash through a creep and you hit <laughs> the all, cool. and you had a couple good team fights too. Like, you've definitely had your solid games there too. But obviously, it always does feel a little bit different when you're, um, when you're on the Tristana. How do you feel about the kind of, there's upset, and you've played Callista now too. Woo, yeah. reckless Callista. <laughs> Four years, we waited. Um, <laughs> How do you feel about that kind of that kind of much more immediately early game focused like Callista bottling playstyle? Upset and Hansama have been going for it all the time. I expect that champion's probably going to be permanent banned through all the playoffs. But like, how do you feel about that much more upfront in your face, like not waiting, just like playing champions basically that like need to do something early mid and aren't going to have the like luxury of sitting back and scaling? I think it's actually not so different to play Callista. I feel like you can play Callista to farm and just have pressure. 
And anyways, like I mentioned, the meta right now is not to like pull your entire team to your lane. So for example, I don't think Kalista is as it used to be where you would stack three waves and dive no matter what. I think it's more like you can dive mm -hmm. if you want, but it's also fine to just take a cheater and then have your support go mid. So to me, Kalista doesn't have to do something early now. It's just more, it's nice when you have the matchup piece so one-sided, so you can just like decide what you want to do from there with your team. Uh, I also like her specifically with Mickey. I had the same with Hilly. I, I also like Kalista very much with Hilly because I know these guys will do something crazy at some point. So, <laughs> so it's nice to have for them. <laughs> and pull them out. So like basically what you're saying is when you pick this champion, it feels like you were talking about earlier, if you have to push in bot and you're winning bot, Mickey's unlocked, which allows yep. impacts mid, which means your team's winning. Yep. That team just, that the champion just kind of fills that role automatically in a sense, right? Yeah, I think much better than, like I know Vars fills this role very nicely too. Yeah. He wins almost every matchup he plays. Um, I think Kalista similarly, not against everything. I think Draven, for example, could be a really oh, hard yeah. matchup for you. So I wouldn't be like too happy about blinding Kalista against some of the players we have here in Europe because mm -hmm. I know most of them actually play Draven. Um, Draven Poppy. <laughs> yeah, that would be a happy link for me. Uh, I think Tristana fills the role similarly as well, but you mm -hmm. do have some matchups that can be hard. I think Kalista could be a banger, for example. Draven can also be a banger. I think um, maybe Kaisa doesn't really fill it anymore. She used to before her Q nerfs. I think now it's maybe like take precision and just farm for late kind of champ. Yeah. So, for example, when I play Kaisa, I try to tell them that we need to like use our timings differently. Because I know I'm not just going to get prio no matter what and have a cheater every game no matter what and have my sport be mid level 2 no matter what. Because it's like a completely different game from the fact that I'm actually the one getting pushed in this time. So at that point you have to do it another way where you bring your jungler to give you a push out and then you can send your support mid. But then it's out of base and it's not from your lane so it's like a completely different kind of game. But Kais is like 4th or 5th champ right now in the game. So it's not, it's not like this happens very often but um, I think the push bot just... I mean, I'm biased, right? Because I'm playing this role. So I can yeah, yeah. speak from my own point of view. I'm sure it's like top lane has their own way of seeing this and mid lane and jungle and support and all that. But from my point of view, it's completely different if I'm having the push or if I'm not having the push mm -hmm. on how my team can play both sides of the map, at least. Yeah, and I mean, I think that it's the probably in a lot of ways outside of mid lane, the most tangible when bot lane has the push, right? Just the difference in impact that you see from supports. And yep. a lot of times you get both supports roaming and... 280 carries left on an island and so frankly i like the meta right now i'm glad that ash has remained absent in the world of 80 carries that she's slowly coming back yeah very slowly so coming back very, right she, it's just she's like the most boring of the like of <laughs> what like do you mean? The one of the best plays ever was the asher across the map yeah that's great that that was the highlight moment every other moment for that champion is so boring to me. as well yeah the the volley push lane like i ash and Vars have always equated is very similar i guess close is in the same thing although not from just cheating lane prior but from just being so obnoxiously <laughs> impressive in trades because right now people are playing affilios in a way i think people could be playing ash actually yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if Ash slowly takes Aphelios' place right now. Because mm -hmm. they kind of just pick him as like a strong standalone. Because mm -hmm. it used to be that Aphelios was only played with Thresh or yep. Tam, I guess, when Tam was the old Tam, or maybe with Brom. And now people are just playing Aphelios, mm -hmm. actually, with nothing. And I think Ash is just a better champ than maybe. So I wouldn't be surprised if she takes his place eventually in this. Yeah, yeah. I think they just kind of like want to Aphelios count to pick support and then they're yeah. happy, right? Yeah. I and think I'm thinking that you might as well just play Ash. Yeah. I think it's not a bad point because I think that Aphelios, people really like the theoretical output of Aphelios. He's got an alt, the CC, he's got all these things. But I think that like ultimately to me, consistency feels like the most important thing. And while the collector build of Aphelios is strong, like I still don't feel like this champion should guarantee lane pride unless you're, yeah, counterpicking support in a lot of matchups. And even then, 
as much as I love that champion, I just feel like there's so many situations where, like, if you miss position once, if you don't have the right guns, if you don't do anything, you're not getting what you need out of that champion. Whereas Ash, you always get value out of Ash. Yeah. And Arrow is just infinitely more reliable than a Felio Assault mm. in That's my true. eyes. Plus, Hawkshot's broken as hell. Damn, it Ash is, is yeah. good. Especially in competitive. See jungle level two and level three. It doesn't matter where he started. Yeah. It's actually nasty. The one thing that I want to ask about, because we were talking about the discussion of G2, the only biggest change that I saw, well, not, well, I'll say biggest change, is the coaching staff where you brought in Nelson. And I know that Nelson actually didn't arrive until a few weeks ago, and he yep. was actually on stage with you guys. Um, and I saw in your drafts, you're going to you know, Kalista, Vayne, and stuff like this. You're playing Sejuani top. It feels like things are just, you know, you know when you told us you were experimenting, it feels like you're still kind of experimenting a little bit with things that maybe you saw in scrims or things OP. Is Nelson having a big driving factor behind that, or is he helping you guys in the draft itself on stage? I think both, for sure. I feel like we were experimenting most of this bit. As I mentioned uh, way back when we started, uh, this was as, at its worst in week three, mm -hmm. where we were experimenting too much, I think. Because yeah. I feel like when you experiment, you shouldn't, you shouldn't just pick five random gems. You should pick one at a time, right? Exactly. You should yeah. pick yeah. four that you're used to, and then add one, or add uh, pick three that you're used to, and add two. Mm -hmm. You should never do five at once. And I feel like when we played those two games, Vitality, <laughs> nothing, we added five at once. Okay. So it's never gonna work out. Yeah. I think we have been doing this kind of over the whole split, and then it kind of just came, yeah, came to fruition. I guess now that he's here, and we have had more conf confidence from winning a, a couple of games again to actually try some stuff on stage. Try the Kalista. Vayne kind of came out of nowhere. I think maybe I even got baited. I was thinking about this after watching this uh, game back again that I should have just picked Saya. Saya was such a good pick that game and it works much better with Thresh than Vayne does. But it was it was kind of like a bait. You know, I see Alistair, I see Mundo. Was it the Mundo flex that threw I you off? I see Aurelia. And I know the Tristana matchup is not great. Actually, yes, it was. Uh, I know the Tristana matchup is not great, but I have three champs I just hard counter. And we mm -hmm. thought Mundo for sure is going... Um, jungle no matter yeah. what we didn't think he played it top mm -hmm. so we we're thinking there's another melee coming top there's four melees and tristana so i know whenever my sports are roaming it really it's really bad for me i cannot play against tristana 1v1 but in any other scenario in the game it should be free win right but then they pick Cardos and i have no impact anymore in the game so i know i should pick saya but like in the moment i thought that was such a good pick yeah. yeah yeah i thought so too i was looking at i was like yeah that's Whippo's probably yeah it's probably gonna go jungle Ooh. Was it? <laughs> were you also you also just inclined to pick it? Because like obviously the first thing that people brought up is that like oh my god, Reckless has been submitted thirty thirty games in a row. Vein, were you like ready for the vein? You hadn't been like seeing it. You we actually just... didn't practice this in game. Mm. I just played it in solo queue because I thought it was a lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just so classic. By the way, the public's like he's been training for this, and you're like, yeah, I just thought it was fun. <laughs> it was so much fun actually. I think she's not that bad. I know she doesn't bring much to the game. Like I know if I'm playing Saya, I'm pushing my waves, I'm winning my lane, everything's better. I know. But I also know if I get to a teamfight scenario with Vayne, I'm doing a lot to the game. Mm -hmm. At least when they're not picking Carters. So, yeah, the or if was... I'm playing better. I actually think if I just play better that game, we also win. So it's both ways. But um, I think Wall of Pain is kind of a broken ability for the Lucian Vayne to try to work their way through in every teamfight. It is. It's just, picking Saya is like a, fine champ that game as well they're running into you they have yeah. alistar they have arela the mundo saya is great in that scenario and i don't have such a bad matchup against jishan as well so would have been a better pick anyways mm. back to your question <laughs> nelson <laughs> bring us back yeah. on top <laughs> it's like he's a you. host <laughs> <laughs> love it uh i think it yeah it came also with winning a bit uh, like i said like having some more confidence in winning and being able to try like one or two things at a time uh also on stage i think it's just like good for playoff preparation because there's gonna yeah. be 
a lot of best of fives to play if we want to win this thing, which we do. So uh, it's good to be able to play some more things, like for example, to be able to show that I play the Calista or to play the Sejuani top lane with some melees maybe on top side. I think it's just like, it's good to have for playoffs. Mm. Um, but we're also missing Duff still, which is, I mean, it's just, it's Corona, right? You cannot do everything to get everyone here, but it's it's a shame that like, I really want to work with everyone, you know, at the same time. Yeah. Uh, especially as a new guy in the team, I feel like it would just be like so nice to have everyone here to see what it could really be like, you know? But mm -hmm. now the year is almost to an end and I, I hope he can come here at some point so we have everyone here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hope so. Maybe yeah. for playoffs, maybe for Worlds if, if he gets to that point. Yeah, shout out to Duff. He's been chilling in, in Scotland for, for a long time. I know he's just as keen to get here, I'm sure, yep. as you are You are to have him here. Um, excellent, excellent analyst. Um, yeah, but I think when you look at the team structure... Uh, when you look at kind of how this is working, what is, can you go into more detail as to like what everyone's doing? I have some knowledge from the past, but Nelson, Nelson coming in, I was kind of surprised by mm. how does he fit into the G2, G2 picture? I think what we felt after spring was that we, we didn't really talk about the game in depth as much because mm -hmm. it's like, everyone's a veteran. So everyone kind of knows what they need to do maybe on an individual level yeah to succeed but as a team we didn't really have anyone to bring us together i know grabs is great at like the out of game kind of stuff i think he's like a really good person to have in the room to bring the team together when it comes to just how we are as a group but i think yep. when it comes to how we play the game together we needed someone else and that's why nelson was brought in because we just felt like we were lacking very in-depth league stuff and that's kind of what it's bring, been bringing for us just like Talking about Drake setups in depth, for example, is something we didn't do before, but we do now with him. I know I shouldn't say too much here because I feel like we were told not to say too much about this, but <laughs> basically he... That's good. That's yeah. that's fine. So I think yeah, that... Yeah, he helps us with like really in-depth league stuff. To follow up, not necessarily on a Nelson thing, but as, a, as an, an issue that you highlighted the team might have, do you think that when you are five veterans on a team, it's really easy to, I don't want to say get complacent, but not look at some things closer because you're just so, you're so used to doing them and you feel like you've got it figured out. So you don't take the time to reevaluate things like Drake's, things like, I don't know, Baron's objectives, split pushing, whatever, you know? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's about being very complacent. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, it's just everyone, as I said, everyone kind of knows what they need to succeed. Yeah. But no one is bringing us together as a team in the game. Like everyone's doing their fair share. It's not like anyone's doing something wrong or we needed this drastically because we're still a good team in spring. I think if the meta was different for playoffs, we might as well have won that playoffs actually. If like it was the split meta, we might as well have won. Or if we just ignore the meta and we try to get more agency for everyone in the team, we might as well, might as well have won as well. Mm -hmm. But I think just, we felt like if we want to win Worlds, we need to cover all our areas. And the one thing that was lacking was that we were not talking about how we function as a team so much in the game. It kind of just happened naturally. And I think that's about being like the part about being complacent. Everyone's like, so just so okay with how things are because they have yeah. done this forever and they know exactly what they need to do to keep that going. But just having someone new come in and maybe like bring up Drake, topi Drake topics, for example, or Herald topics, and we actually talk about it in depth, In depth, I think it's like, uh, yeah, an area we were lacking a little bit, so that's what Nelson's been bringing. Sounds like you guys are kind of covering lots of bases right now. It's just yep. you said, you've got like, you want to play with like tri triple threat comps maybe, or even quadra threat comps, you know, with everyone can carry. Um, you want to figure out how you want to draft an innovation, you know, you want to be creative with different picks. 
and then you want to make sure your in-depth knowledge is there so yep i like that everything's being covered hopefully it can you know boost you guys because i think you guys are doing pretty well right now of course um but it sounds like a lot of in-depth stuff's going on not so much problems but i think that when you look at g2 historically or even just teams in general the ones that you know win worlds or go to finals i think that the the thing is the clutch factor and innovation like you know with the pikes top mm-hmm. you know bring out sejuani vein all these random champions that maybe are off meta so sticking to the meta too much could be a bad thing so even if the meta changes you have something ready to uh, to bring out yeah it depends sometimes the meta is like disgusting though i don't think we're ever gonna get a 2015 worlds again but sometimes the meta is like you know sometimes <laughs> playing the meta makes a lot of sense and it's just you know the balance is a little bit too crazy um i would love to know though like you talk about this this complacency thing, right? But is this is this just a product of complacency because it's a team full of veterans? Or is this all of you are kind of in the camp of I look at these pros and I ask the first thing that comes to mind after, you know, established veterans is are these guys burnt out? You know what I mean? Because G two has played together, they've won a lot. I can imagine you're maybe hungrier because you've lost a lot of titles to G two in recent years. But G two is just one and one and one and one. And I imagine Staying motivated, staying excited about competitive League of Legends domestically might just be a little bit difficult for a team that has been so incredibly successful. I won't say effortlessly. I think they worked really hard to get all those titles, but it always feels, in my mind at least, when G2 were on top, that it was kind of, yeah, it was G2 was winning. Anything else past that was an upset, right, when G2 were really on a tear. Um, and then we got, you know, we got some banger Fnatic. I don't want to take out Fnatic out entirely. You guys had your moments, you know, double full best of fives. Um, knocking them down to losers bracket but uh how how is how has it been interacting with a team is that something that affects it i guess you you're a new voice obviously but you're on a team full of players who have just been so incredibly successful for so long is motivation an issue i'm not sure if motivation is an issue in the long run i think it's just maybe doing the split it can be hard because i think the complacency comes from as you said winning so much and being a part of such big games that when you play these smaller ones it's hard to do the extra little thing that you need every single day. Um, so you have five of us that have been all in the same boat, kind of, I guess, me less than them, but still similar, I think, being a part of like really big games, winning a lot of things. Then I think the complacency strikes and you actually need someone from the outside, like Nelson is now done for us, to bring us together again, because sometimes it's just like, I know what I need. I'm sure the rest of the guys in the team also know what they need. So no one is really... Again, doing the extra little thing that uh, would help us, I think, like greatly actually, because we're all good at the game. So if we just actually put in that little bit, little bit extra every single day, then there's absolutely no reason for us not to be like the best team in Europe again. So I think it's just it's just healthy to have um, more people there that can help us. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. like get better one yeah. percent every day, yeah. if anything. And uh, I think. It's fine that it's this way, you know? It's fine that uh, you you are a G2 and you win everything and you go to world finals and you do all these things and win MSIs and then you have a little bit less motivation or a little, little bit less hunger for a regular season in Europe. I think this is completely fine. If anything, I think it's completely normal. I think mm-hmm. it would be weird if it wasn't this way, actually. Yeah. Mm. It's just how do you how do you put yourself in an environment where that doesn't hold you back then? And I think that's why... After spring, we realized maybe our environment is actually holding us back. So we need to make some small changes to still try to become the best again and be where we were before, I guess, all of us. Me less. I mean, I haven't been winning for a while now, but <laughs> I, I think it's still yeah similar situation for all of us. So 
I mean, it just honestly, it sounds like a super difficult thing to overcome. Again, especially when your your full staff can't be there and COVID an ongoing thing. I feel like a lot, there's a lot of people who are fully vaxxed and chilling who feel like it's over, but it's still very much a thing. There's still like a lot of it that affects people. Harder to travel, harder to go home when you want to go home, harder to get away when you want to get away. Um, looking forward though, now that Nelson is here, yep. sounds like there's optimism. Sounds like there's, sounds like there's hope and there's progress and is is the motivation there now with with Nelson with someone new in the environment to to really improve or is it is it still gonna do you think be kind of a slow burn as we get closer to bigger events are we waiting for best of fives before it's like full out g2 wake up we're we're giving everything we've got we reevaluating every play we thought we knew like I think it will take until worlds probably so I really hope we make worlds mm -hmm. because I think that's when I would see. Like I haven't played worlds with them before. I've only played together with Caps. I know how Caps is when the, you know, the stakes are really high and the excitement is there. I know how he is then. I don't know for the other guys, but I think, for sure, we won't reach this level until worlds is there because then there's gonna be arenas with crowd again, and I think that's where most of us probably feel at our best or feel like this whole thing is worth it because it's been, it's it's. It's been hard to sometimes tell yourself, I think, that this is worth it when you're playing like games at home yeah. <laughs> every single week, in and out. It's uh, it's not the same as it used to be. Yeah, and we all know how it used to be. I think for players maybe that came in during this Corona time, it's been in some way maybe easier because they don't know how it was before playing in arenas, playing in studios with crowds, and having that like extra excitement for every game you play. Hmm. Maybe this this that's going on right now is what feels normal to them but for us it doesn't we've all been through a time before this and we all long for it i think at least so i think the best g2 you're gonna see would be at world so hopefully we make it there because i feel like sure the best of five helped in spring but it didn't it didn't put us to a level where i think we can be mm -hmm. and i know for sure i could do more and i think being in a world's environment um and playing yeah stage on stage uh, stage games again with crowd and stuff is where i would reach that level and i think the same could probably be said for my teammates hmm. that's that's, that's that's tough though because that's like that's a factor kind of beyond your control right yep. ultimately and i mean don't get me wrong it's it's hard for casters too it's hard for i've never casted in front of a crowd in my yeah, life this is one of those babies that you're talking crazy. about he could be the best caster in front of a crowd he could unlock like 11 you know the next super saiyan form or you could suck who knows no pressure no clue. Uh, you know the crowd's obviously a huge factor and it's um i think it makes perfect sense to me don't get me wrong i think maybe some fans will be sad to hear that like waiting to waiting for the full g2 potential to be to be unlocked waiting for the full reckless potential to be unlocked but i think it's totally fair i think it's totally valid because ultimately that's how you came up and that's that's what it's supposed to be yeah you know whatever else this has been you know great that it has been able to exist great the lec has been able to continue that all these leagues have been able to continue it's supposed to be in front of people in front of an audience and certainly not at your house so you can probably relate then from oh casting in front of a crowd versus now you know what the this is the thing is people look at Captain Flowers as one of the best casters and he is one of the best casters, but the thing that blew my mind more than anything was he adjusted to casting without an audience. That that is why I respect that man immensely. Not all the other stuff. He's a very good caster otherwise, but like I cannot cast at a ten out of ten without a crowd. It is so insanely hard. Because the energy I don't know how you guys feel on stage when you're playing, right? But for me, it's like 
being at the head of just like a screaming audience. Like I'm the guy in the front of the, the rally, like let's go with the <laughs> microphone. And people are like, yes, let's go. And obviously they're cheering for you, but I feel like I'm rallying yeah. the people, you know, and that's that feeling, that infectious energy. You know, people talk about the air feeling electric and I hate that phrase, but it feels so true when you're in a stadium. Mm. You know what I mean? Did you ever cast at home? Like in your own home? Yeah, I, would, I really did bad. Okay. <laughs> it was me and Frost casting. I was like in my underwear. I was like, I can't not take this seriously. <laughs> and that's how it feels for us when we play at home. Yeah. So even just being here now in the studio and playing without the crowd is still like, to me, it feels like I double in mm. terms of just how everything feels. Yeah. So that would triple or quadruple if there was a crowd as well. Yeah. And then you put that in an arena setting in China later this year playing world championship games. It's just... I can see the smile it's on not, your face you No, it's not comparable. <laughs> yeah. In being a pro player, it's not comparable, the two. So I think it's it's completely natural that this is how, how it is for... I mean, it would be unnatural otherwise. I but think. Do, you, do you think there's also the opposite end of the spectrum where, from my perspective, there's the online players where it's like, if there's no stage and there's no yeah. stakes, they are really like Unleashed. going toe-to-toe. Yeah. Whereas when they do have the stakes and the pressure and then they start to crumble a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think, again, most of the players haven't even had a chance yet. Some of the new players we have here in Europe haven't even had a chance yet to play it's, on stage. It's a, crowd. Yeah. It's a so decent you, amount now, too, because it's know, been yeah. basically two years. You don't know how those guys are going to do. And you're going to have to give them, like, maybe some of the people next year that you would even consider slowly becoming a veteran are people that haven't even played on stage yet with the crowd. So you kind of have to then tape, take a step back and say, these guys are rookies, actually, yeah. in doing this. Take Avitio, for example. He has never played on stage with a crowd. He That's told me, I was talking to him last, last Sunday when we were playing football together. He has never played a crowd. Uh, actually, he has once when he was playing in the LFL, I think. Yeah. One time on a stage with a crowd. Never other That's... than that. So next year, actually, when you could, would consider him a kind of established mid laner here who's done really well for himself, he's going to be on his first time playing on stage with a crowd next year. It's a wild thing to think yeah, about. It's, it's, like, it's also it's one of the first times in in league history in recent years that we really get to take something that CS talks about all the time, right? Which is like land players versus online players. Yeah. And what's interesting is that it won't affect us in the same way because because we're, um, you know, our franchise league, we play the same thing every week. But there will be probably this one split to two splits, this one year period. Let's assume once everything's back to normal. Let's assume it's yeah. next year, but I, again, I don't know. Don't take anything from that. Um, where we are going to have that discussion every week, you know, where it is going to be, because it's not just VTO. There's a lot of players who just don't have... Adam, right? Adam doesn't probably... You know, and, and I don't know how much LFL stage experience he got in a similar story and a lot of these guys. And the good news is ERLs give, would normally give a lot of these guys experience on stage ahead of time, so it wouldn't be such a big daunting question, but COVID and, you know, a two-year pandemic changes it a lot. Bringing things back, though, to G2, peak G2 is world everything comes out at worlds peak reckless's worlds you know you get the, the power multiplier from the crowd from the audience from the studio but like how how are you worried at all about not making worlds then if you if you don't feel like you guys can hit that 100 without those things pretty worried i would say yeah now we're locked for playoffs at least and we should be top four right unless misfits make an absolute run now and then the others fail which mm -hmm. i don't think will happen i think rogue has a pretty good schedule for themselves so they should be first and I think that kind of automatically puts us top four because Misfits then cannot go past us in most scenarios yeah uh, I'm not 100% sure how this works exactly but I think something like there's that there's a lot of change yeah. points medic will break it down at some point but yeah. it is good Misfits going higher is bad for you Rogue and Mad going higher is fine for you because they have a lot of points anyway so yeah. it doesn't hurt you so we're probably one best away best of five away from Worlds but um, 
a little bit worried, I would say, because it's also like, no matter what, we're gonna have to beat either Mad, Rogue, or Fnatic. One of the three, if we wanna make Worlds. Maybe even, no, actually, yeah, just one of the three, if we wanna yeah. make Worlds. And none of them are easily beatable. It's not like you have one team that you just hope to get in a best of five. I think all three of them are kind of scary to get in a best of five, actually. So a bit worried that we don't make it, for sure. But I think if we make Worlds, then as I mentioned, you're like you're gonna see what this roster can do at its best. I think at Worlds we're gonna be like, like we're not gonna get better than we're we are gonna be at Worlds. It's not gonna be like if we keep the same roster, then next year we're gonna be magically better. I think at Worlds we're gonna have we we've gonna have have had enough time to get our stuff together, and that's the best you you you're, you're gonna get. I like it. I like the confidence. I wish the confidence was for playoffs and regular season, I think, as an LEC caster. But I'll take it. If you get the Worlds, I'll take it at Worlds too. You know what I mean? Once I want to see how far that can Actually, get you. A question that we've asked Oduamne and Upset both now is there's four teams, right? The top four and only three teams can go to Worlds. Yep. Which team would you say is the is the one that would struggle the most? Because, for example, Oduamne said... No, Upset said... Who's said, not going to make it was the yeah, question. Upset not who's going to struggle if they do make it to Worlds. Who's not going to make upset it? Upset says he thinks you guys, Fnatic, and Mad Lions are going to make Worlds. Oduamne was a bit unsure. He still he thinks no, Fnatic was going to make uh, it. He said no Mad, I think is what he said. Mad? He said Mad. Do you have any team that stands out where it's like, yeah, I think they might not make it? I think Mad probably doesn't make it. Mm. I think Rogue makes it for sure. I want to say we're going to make it for sure as well. Mm. So for me, it would be between Mad or Fnatic that doesn't make it. I think, for example, if Rogue plays Fnatic in a best of five, Rogue should win, always, I think. I feel like if Mad plays Fnatic, that's really interesting, actually. This mm -hmm. is a really interesting game. Definitely. I feel like we should beat Mad, always, as it is right now. And then against Fnatic would also be really interesting for us to play against. So it depends on who gets who. But I think Rogue, no matter what, will make it through. I want to say we, we're going to be the same. And then it's just the Fnatic-Mad game. I would say Mad doesn't make it this year. Yeah. Dang. Which is crazy to think after winning spring. Yeah. That this team is not going to make it. But that also makes True. you then realize how, like, spring matters, but it also doesn't. You can't just rely on what you did in spring. And I think maybe to some extent Matt has done that. Because I feel like when I watch, it's so weird. But when I watch their voice comps and stuff, it feels like they don't care at all about what's going on. They just, I mean, maybe that's how they've always been, like super goofy with each other and mm. just like, don't take it serious. But, they're not the best team right now, and it doesn't feel like they are trying to become the best team either. Yeah. I think I don't Matt, know if they're waiting for playoffs, or I don't know if they're taking a toll from, from MSI, but it's just it's just such a weird vibe, I think, they're giving me. Yeah, I mean, for, for your reference, because we've had Matt on the show a couple times now, um, I mean, I think Matt are in a similar boat to a lot of teams and a similar boat to some of what you're talking about, where it's a lot of what they're trying to do right now from what max talked to us about his peak at the right time but i think that this is a really difficult thing because they are a younger roster than a lot of the other rosters even if they do have a decent amount of rhetoric veterans all things considered but they've also gone through double back-to-back -back quarantines this split so i think they're more affected by that and they came off the msi run as well so on the one hand, i'm with you right now i think mad looked the shakiest of, of the teams that we put in the top four but at the same time i think I'm not going to say I give them the benefit of the doubt, but if they turn it around in playoffs, it wouldn't surprise me. But I will say that I think that this split Mads, oh God, so people say this, their biggest opponents themselves, kind of their biggest opponents, the environment they've been in and finding a way to, to progress forward because it's just like 
every time we have a mad player on it's like well we're back in quarantine again also we're very exhausted because we've been playing League of legends nonstop, and um i think we just have to see what they can do but i agree that just on a gameplay front it's been not even including the voice comps which i haven't i haven't really looked at too much it's just been it's been a bit messy it's mm. been a bit all over the place there's been a lot of mad games that i've been surprised they win there's been a lot of mad games that have been surprised they lost I feel like if they want to get their stuff together, it's now, though. Because now we're actually playing on 11.15, which is the playoff patch. Yeah. So there's no there's no waiting now. It's not like if they play bad this week, they're all of a sudden going to play good in playoffs. At least I don't see it that way. Yeah. It's the same patch this week as it is in playoff. So if you want to turn it up at some point, it's now, you know? So maybe this week we'll see like a really good mad and then I'll take everything back. Or we'll, we'll see a <laughs> continuously shaky mad and then I will stick to my feelings of them not making it. Well, they did. They did guys play against on Friday. Yeah, yeah. So, so there it is. that will tell a lot, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and they did have a two a week um, last week. They took down Astralis and Rogue. One of those opponents, obviously, a little bit harder than the other. Um, and those games were a bit all over the place, but ultimately worked out. We talked about it. Arma, a lot of good deaths in that game. Yeah, <laughs> working out for their favor in the end. Um, but for Mad, I mean, it's a it's a difficult final week schedule. They play G two. They play Fnatic. They play Misfits. For you guys. It's kind of an interesting last week. You guys play Schalke. You guys play XL. I think most people would look at those as pretty easy wins. So top top four feels pretty reasonable. Beating Mad is a very important part of that. But obviously compared to the Fnatic schedule, who also play Schalke, but also have to play Misfits and Mad. feels like you guys, when it comes to teams at the top fighting for seeding, outside of kind of just assuming at this point that Rogue are going to lock first because they have a very easy schedule. Yeah. Um, it feels like you guys are kind of next in line with the most favorable schedule to to actually secure seating. Are you, how do you feel about Super Weeks, this final Super Week? Is there anything, are you guys really sweating to bring in anything for these games or is it mostly just play your game, progress as much as you can? You talked about the fight, you really want to make top four. Like how, how, big of, how big is this final week for you guys? It's everything, which is why... We're a bit nervous for playing at home on Friday and Saturday. We only have one stage game this week. And we know when we play at home, we're not the same team as when we play on stage. So we're trying to do some stuff like go to the other room before we play our game on stage. So basically, you've been at our... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically, we go out of the room we play in an hour before. So we get some sort of like stage... Vibe so, yeah, thing you separate going. the yeah. work and yeah. the like. Yeah. We're trying to pretend that this is stage, but deep down we all know it's not stage, and we're not the same thing when we're off stage. So, a bit nervous for Friday and Saturday specifically, I would say. And Friday's mad, so I'm not sure if that's. I think it would be better for us to play them on stage, for example, than mm-hmm. it is to play them at home. But it is what it is. Um, so that's the 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 really important game. But in 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 the same way, I'm kind of like more worried for the Saturday game than the Friday game because I know when we're playing a team like Mad or a team like Rogue or a team like Fnatic then everyone's going to be super hyped to play so everyone's going to try really hard from the first second of the game mm-hmm. until it's over mm-hmm. like everyone's really trying hard to win that game but when you're playing a Schalke that's already out are you taking it a bit easy maybe in the beginning of the mm-hmm. game maybe are you taking the draft easier than you would normally are you are you there in the same mental capacity as you would be on a Friday? I don't think so. So that game is actually scarier for me because I know it's happened in the past as well where we just kind of take it for granted that we're going to win and then we don't. Because mm, they have so, nothing to lose. Yeah. So I think the Saturday game is actually like the really scary one to play. Uh, Sunday will mean a lot for Excel, probably, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that game should be 
already stakes because we'll know that they have to win this game, for example. So we're not going to let them win, obviously, because that's going to ruin the competitive integrity of the league. So, yep. Which yeah. I respect. I always love troll games when both teams are out. One of them. The set casting a troll game is always terrible after the 15 minutes. The first 15 minutes are the greatest thing in the world. And then some team has a 3K gold lead, and you're like, oh my God, the Shaco cannot end the game. What are we doing? We're trapped. We're literally jailed watching this game. Yeah. So we shouldn't have any of those. We should have three <laughs> games that all matter. Uh, yeah. But I, I mean, you guys lost to Shalco last time you played, right? That was the. Um, that was like week one. That was the Broken Blade Nocturne into Wonder Set Top. That's when we gave the Broken Nocturne, the Broken Akali, and the Broken Sin. Mm. All to one team. Oh, well. <laughs> With the Lulu as well. Mm -hmm, for the mm -hmm, sin. So mm -hmm. we're not doing that again. Not doing that again? <laughs> not doing good, that. Good to know. Good. That's on the update. And we could have won that game too if I played a little bit better, which is interesting. That was I, uh, that Nocturne was really fed, man. There's not a lot of counterplay there. Uh, that was the game where we, I think we had Soul this game. We got Infernal Soul and then we went to Nash and we threw. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that was that game. Yeah. I can't remember I can the ending. All I can I all I can remember, I remember is the, the very unfortunate sure Nocturne matchup. That, that game. Um, I mean, regardless, it sounds like it's going to be a big week. Other matches I want to highlight before we go. There's actually so many instances of the top teams fighting the top teams. If you're not sure what days to watch on the Super Week, if maybe if you only have time for one day, please. Last day is always the most exciting for tiebreakers, but honestly, first day is a banger. Mad G2, Misfits for Fnatic, huge, huge implications uh, for playoff seeding. Very much a race right now between you guys and Misfits, it feels like, to, to get higher seeding, even if you guys have a little bit of edge from the spring points. Um, otherwise, Cadrill, what match are you most hyped for? Probably G2 Mad, yeah. That's definitely the one. Because I feel like the interesting thing to me about the whole playoffs race is I think Rogue is going to be locked first. It's all about who comes second. Because, for example, let's just say Mad Lions come second. Now you and G2, you and Fnatic, sorry, are in, in three and four. And Rogue, I would expect, would choose, you know, Fnatic, and then you've got Mad G2. That's one thing. Fine, sure. Let's imagine G2 finish second, right? And Fnatic's in third with Mad. I think that Rogue's probably going to choose Mad, and then it's a G2 Fnatic, right? So, yeah. In my eyes, it's it's a it's a Mad Fnatic for you in the in the playoffs. I'm just curious which one it's going to be, because the more games you win, the less likely it is that you'll face off against. No, the more games you win, the more likely it is you'll face off against Fnatic. I'd say. Yeah. So, yeah just thought about it all randomly in my head. So yeah. There you go. G2, G2, uh, I'm not going to check yeah. the math. I'm just going to take you for that. I'm going to say that's good. I like <laughs> just it. Just something that was floating in my head over the last five minutes. Um, any final thoughts before we go, Reckless? I think you had a lot to say about how about the Misfits game specifically and how that was kind of being counted against you. Is there any final thoughts on, on the season or the split or the team before we before we take off? No, I guess I'm just, I'm just happy with how things turned out in some way, even though we didn't win spring and even though we're not the best team right now in summer. I know... I know when I made the change, you know, like regardless of how this would have ended, even if we would have won everything, people would have still been kind of disappointed in some way or kind of doubting the whole thing in some way. But I think it was like super healthy, the whole thing for me and for Fnatic, actually. I think I was way too comfortable in that team mm -hmm. and they were way too comfortable with me. So I think it was just a healthy change for both of us. So I'm just happy with how things turned out, I guess. I feel like I've been... Yeah, I've, I've been kind of a rookie this year. It's been so much fun to start over in a way. Because when yeah. I was playing in Fnatic, the longer the years went, the more I just, I don't know, took things for granted maybe. I Forgot like how, how it felt to prove yourself on a daily basis to your colleagues. Like for example, when I came to G2, I had no past experiences to lean on anymore. 
I had to reprove myself from the get-go, like as, as if I was a rookie. I had to show the guys that I got something special somewhere. So I think it was just like a super fun thing to be a part of, super fun experience to be a part of this whole thing, this whole change. So I'm happy how it turned out and I'm happy for like Fnatic doing well without me as well. I think it's, it's just, it's good how everything worked out. Yeah, it's it, exciting. It, it worked out. To join it a new work culture and like team environment. And well, and I think that people always look at um, veterans as like, and veteranship is a purely positive thing, right? You're, you have these experience of years. But I think that, I mean, as much as people like to play off complacentness as laziness, I just think that there's so many things that, unless you're constantly examining them, that do kind of get ignored, right? There's so many things that you do unconsciously in your day to day that you don't think about anymore, whether it's your, your sleep schedule, your training habits, your scrims had solo queue. And unless you're really focusing, engaging, I think that being a veteran is a good thing, but I also think it is a burden too. There's a lot of things that you know that you probably take for granted. There's a lot of things that you do that you maybe don't think about that can count against you. Not yep. all, not all habits are going to be perfect. Not everything's going to be easy. So I'm glad. Yeah. I I'll, I'll say that it's uh it's cool that both Fnatic and G2 have kind of found a way out after what was the difficult and, Things look good for playoffs. Things look good for week eight. Thank you again, Reckless, for um, coming on, for joining us early, bright and early in the morning. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure, my friend. Uh, this has been season eight, episode also eight. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back next week with episode nine. It's going to be less focused about the LEC as it is the break week. We're going to be talking to Jeevan, who is the replacement for Mark Yetter. We're going to be talking to new Mark Yetter basically about balance and design with some wonderful questions from our pro players so be sure to tune in for that and we'll be back for more league of legends coverage after the break week leading in around one of playoffs maybe with g2 uh, you know fighting in the top four maybe not we'll find out but regardless tune in this week for super week week eight of the lec and we'll see you guys next week